We've all heard the statistics cited about 80% of businesses failing within the first five years. And those that make it five years, 80% will fail in the next five years. So how do we keep our businesses from being one of those statistics? What are the most common causes and how do we avoid those? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. There are seven primary reasons a business will fail. I call them the seven deadly defects. Today, in part five of our seven-part series, we will talk about insufficient cash flow. So for those of you who've been in business for more than um, a year, probably, you've heard the saying, cash is king. But for me, I think the more appropriate phrase would be cash flow is king. Um, This is probably easy to grasp um, that if we don't have cash coming in, we can't pay our bills. What's not so easy to grasp is that being profitable, for example, does not ensure a positive cash flow. you could have a job with an 80% profit margin on it. And if you don't get paid, it doesn't matter. If you don't get paid on time. It may not matter. Um, if you do your accounting on a cruel basis, you could show a profit, but it doesn't matter if you don't get paid on time. Uh, your P&L could show profit month after month, but your checking account might look pretty much the same every month. So cash flow and profitability are not the same thing. This is not an easy thing for everyone to grasp. But it's something we need to really wrap our heads around that there are two separate um, yet equally important uh, things to consider. So um, reading the P&L is a big deal. Uh, this is a significant part of it. But for many business owners, reading a P&L is scary and overwhelming. So a lot of folks just don't. They just ignore it. Um, I think I've encountered um, working with business owners who kind of uh, outsource reading the P&L to an, a bookkeeper or a CPA or something like that. Um, the business owner will assume that the CPA or bookkeeper is keeping an eye on things and, and would alert the business owner if something was going wrong. Um, simultaneously, in many cases, the CPA or bookkeeper is saying, this isn't my business. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep the P&L here. But if something's going wrong, that's the business owner's responsibility. And so in some cases, nobody's watching the P&L. Nobody's going to be alerted if things uh, start going sideways. Um, other folks, other business owners um, read the P&L, but they maybe don't really understand it. They don't really have a grasp for what they're, what they're reading or even what to do if something uh, looks off. Um, some folks don't understand it well enough to know how to identify if something is off. Um, so I would just say it's important for us to be mindful that we cannot control or improve what we don't understand. So when it comes to accounting, um, just jump in. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing, um, it's just taking in information. It's not, in most cases, you're not having to act um, 
until you understand, you know, just learning things is is going to get you further along than than trying to just guess. Um, and accounting is something you can't guess at. You can't um, you can't make decisions off, off of of uh, partially accurate information. So, you know, just start learning it and ask questions of your CPA, ask questions of your bookkeeper, rather than assuming that they're going to point things out, um, have a conversation with them once a month or once a week or whatever frequency makes sense. And if it costs you a couple hundred bucks a month to do it, that's money well, well spent uh, to get, to get a handle on this stuff. Um, it's not that scary after you figure it out. Um, part of what you're going to figure out when you really jump into your P&L is there's only six or eight things to really pay attention to. The rest of it's just noise. You know, there's there's a number of things on your P&L that even if you don't like them, you can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about what your business license costs. You can't do anything about what your payroll tax is. There's so many things on there that you can't do anything about that. It's why even bother looking at them? You know, there's a handful of things on there that really matter, though, that you really can impact. And once you learn what those are, you can start making really good decisions. Um, so, again, when it comes to the P&L, uh, just, I would say, jump in. And that's not exactly what we're talking about this this um, this week. Again, the P&L being profitable is not the same thing as having good cash flow. Uh, but they kind of go hand in hand. So um, if you're reluctant to just take on accounting at all, just just jump in. Um, you know, it, it may not be something you learn in three weeks. It might take you a year. Okay. That's okay. You got time. Um, so people who don't like to get into their PL, don't understand it, don't want to read it or read it and don't really comprehend of it, uh, comprehend it. A lot of times folks like that, rather than relying on their PL, will do things like just keeping tabs on their checking and savings account balances. Now, the problem, um, of course, is just because you have money in the bank right now does not mean you're going to have money in the bank after your next payroll or after your next tax um, liability payment is due. Um, once you identify that you don't have enough money in the bank, it's too late to solve the problem. Uh, you're essentially flying blind. Uh, there's not, if, if your only methodology for keeping track of cash flow is monitoring what you have today, you have no time to make adjustments. you you literally are not looking far enough out in the future to make decisions. You're just, you're just identifying what is, uh, but not giving yourself time or putting yourself in a position where you can make any changes to improve anything. Um, all you're doing is identifying where I'm at and there's, and there's no ability to, um, to solve any problems if you were to see one. So it's important to understand just because you have 20,000 or $50,000 in your account today, doesn't mean you will, um, six weeks from now. Um, again, after your, you know, when's your next three payroll month? What's your what's your checking account going to look like after your third payroll that month, um, or you're again your next your next tax bill? So, um, when it comes to cash flow forecasting, which is something I strongly recommend, um, it's really important to figure out how far out you want to look. You know, depending on the seasonality of your business and and how consistent you get paid, uh, that will determine how far out you want to look, um, and then determine the methodology. So for me, I like Excel. I like spreadsheets. I'm kind of a, a spreadsheet junkie. Um, so I just created an Excel spreadsheet where I could put in the known fixed, uh, uh, costs every month, like rent and insurance and the phone bill and the cable bill and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just created a spreadsheet where I could plug those in and then I left room for, uh, irregular costs, things that would fluctuate or things that would come off, you know, once in a while, things that were, 
subcontractors or whatever um, that were not a fixed cost every month that would change or were not consistently going to be there. I, le I left slots for that. And as those things became known, I would just plug those in. And so I would have a week by week. Uh, here's where our checking account started. Here's all the known expenses we're, we're forecasting. I had a column that said, here's the ones that uh, I know that are fixed. Here's the ones I know that are not fixed. Here's my prediction for what those are going to be. So I had, I had kind of an anticipated uh, or predicted column. And then I had an actual column. So as those things actually rolled in, the bills came in, I put in the actual costs so I could keep track of what I was getting right and what I was getting wrong. And they were just copy and paste from week to week to week. And so I had a constant rolling forecast where it would be, here's the starting checking account balance. Here's all the anticipated um, expenses. And here's the ending checking account balance uh, week to week. And I would just copy and paste that. And I personally always looked out at least to the end of next month, whatever, you know, sometimes, so that's sometimes that's only five weeks. Sometimes that's um, seven or eight weeks or nine weeks. Uh, sometimes I would look at 90 days, depending on the situation. Um, and that's up to you. Again, depending on the seasonality you have and the consistency you have in getting paid, that would dictate a lot about how far out you want to look. Um, you can also get, if you don't like Excel and you don't want to take the time to do it yourself, um, there's very simple uh, uh, software to buy online. If you just Google or look up cash flow tool, um, there's there's um, solutions out there for less than 150 bucks a month. Um, if you use those, one of the KPIs that you'll become familiar with is how many days of cash you have on hand. And it's really important to understand what quote unquote normal is for you. If you're going to go that route, then what's normal for you? Is having 75 days of cash on hand normal for you or is, is having 23 days or is having 127 days? What's normal for you? So you can start to look at when something happens that's, that takes you out of your normal range, you would be able to identify what that is. So um, again, I like to look out at least at the end of next month, uh, whatever, whatever length of time that is, uh, or 90 days. Um, you can decide what, what, what uh, time frame you want to look at. And, but really we got to figure out what normal is for you. If you're going to create your own spreadsheet, what is normal for you to have in your checking account or your savings account or both? Uh, if you're going to use a, a cash flow tool, uh, how many days of cash on hand is normal for you? That, those are kind of number. That's the the way they're going to uh, talk about it is days of cash on hand. So um, the next thing is we have to deliberate, uh, create a deliberate strategy for what we're going to do with cash once we get it. Um, there's three primary areas where where the cash goes or should go, um, and uh, that's owner's compensation, growth, and a savings account or a rainy day fund. And this is one of the more challenging things to to rely on our our um, intuition in the moment. It's really helpful to create a strategy and have a plan for what we're going to do when we get cash. If we just rely on our mood of the day and we've had an exceptionally hard week or a couple of weeks and all of a sudden we get an $80,000 check in, we might say to heck with it. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to cut myself a check for 20 grand and go on vacation for a week. If we don't have a plan, we're susceptible to doing those kinds of things. Um, so I think it's really critical that we have a methodology for determining what percent is going to of cash on hand above and beyond our expenses, what percentage is going to go to owner's compensation, what percentage is going to go to growth, and what percentage is going to go to the rainy day fund. 
If you have not read the book Profit First, I would strongly recommend that. They have a great methodology they teach for it. And I think that their 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 way of doing that is is really uh really good. Um you know, and you can decide what degree you want to follow that, you know, to follow that to the letter uh, takes a little doing. Um, so you may want to, you know, but at least get started with a part where they talks about what percent should be owner's compensation, what percent should be growth and what percent should be rainy day fund. They, they have a really good um, methodology for that. So um, as I was talking about a minute ago, you know, if you, if we don't have a methodology, we're likely to make emotional decisions uh, or just kind of fly from the seat of our pants, which is not going to be, uh, conducive to a good long-term growth curve. <laughs> um, I remember a few years ago, I was talking to a guy who owned a service-based business and he just kind of hit me up, called me up and said, Hey, um, I need to purchase two vans and I really need them. I need them like, you know, yesterday, I need these things right away. Um, I said, okay. You know, and he, he was just asked me how to fund the purchase of these, what my recommendations were as far as how to fund the purchase. I said, well, how much do you have set aside for the purchase? That's a big factor. Is, you know, determine, you know, how much do you have put aside to to do this? Um, he said he planned to finance it, um, but wasn't sure if he could come up with a down payment. And um I began asking about what strategies he had tried to to save money. And he said he just did not be able to put any money aside because things were too tight with his margins. You know, the, the market just wouldn't allow for him to charge what he needed to, so he wasn't really able to set money aside. Um, and then literally like three minutes later, he's telling me about how he's taking a second vacation in three months. And I asked him how he could afford to travel if money was so tight. And of course he got agitated and defensive and, and was not happy that I was asking that question. I wasn't doing it to be a jerk. Um, but it's, you know, it's kind of odd to have a conversation in which in, in literally three minutes apart, you're saying you can't set aside money to, to fund the purchase of two vans you desperately need like yesterday, but you're also taking your, your second vacation in three months. And he said something that just kind of struck me. He said, if I can't make enough money to live the lifestyle I want, owning a business isn't worth it. And I agree with that to a certain extent. Um, but I'll also say less than six months later, he was out of business. Um, this is something we have to have balance in. We have to look at the long-term in alignment with the short-term. It can't be an emotional week-to-week, month-to-month decision what we're going to do with the cash once we get it. Once we get it, a big part of of having a good cash flow strategy is knowing that we're going to have times we have a lot of cash on hand, and we're going to have times we have not very much cash on hand, and we're going to have times where we're emotionally optimistic and happy to be a business owner, and we're going to have times where we're not going to be optimistic, and we're going to we're going to be struggling to to maintain engagement or to to maintain positive thoughts or to keep working, you know, as things are hard. And one of the things we might be prone to do is say to heck with it. I'm going to cash a check for five grand and go away for the weekend or go away for a week. Well, that may feel good in the short term, but that is not a good long-term strategy. So uh, again, I think just aiming for balance is really important when we talk about cash flow. Uh, we do need to be compensated for this. There is a lot of risk and there is a lot of stress and it wouldn't be worth it if there wasn't a good financial return. Um, but we have to have a strategy. We have to have a plan. We can't just make emotional decisions. So, um, the first thing I would recommend is start looking in your financials, uh, just dive in, you know, it, again, there's nothing that's going to hurt you. Um, you don't have to make decisions, uh, based on what you're, you know, or don't know for the first, you know, just do what you're doing now. 
uh, but start learning how they work. Uh, and that includes uh, cash flow forecasting. Start a process of cash flow forecasting. Once you've been, once you do it for a month, you'll learn what's working and what's not, and you'll alter it and you'll make changes. Um, but just start. This is something you just have to start. And uh, if you need help, there's tons of resources out there to get help. There's tons of books. There's tons of um, YouTube videos. I mean, there's just there's 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 tons of resources to be able to start doing this. Um, we just got to start, though. This is one of those things you just have to start and you just have to get through the fear. Um, so uh, remember, you if you hear the saying cash is king, just tell yourself instead of cash is king, cash flow is king. Um, it's important to understand that being profitable is not the same thing as having positive cash flow. You can have a ton of profit on the PL and still go out of business because you're broke. Um, for many business owners, reading a PL is scary and overwhelming, and so they just don't do it. Um, they just keep tabs on their checking and savings account sometimes in lieu of reading the PL. Neither of those things is going to help you with cash flow. Um, again, I like to look at at least at the end of the next month. Um, whatever length of time that is. Sometimes that's only five weeks. Sometimes that's eight or nine weeks uh, or 90 days out, depending on the situation. Um, just figure out how far out you need to look based on your seasonality. And and the key here is to learn what quote unquote normal is for you. So you can identify when things are not normal. So if you need, you know, if you can see that, Hey, seven weeks from now or five weeks from now, after that third payroll, we're going to hit a crunch. And here's how much is of a crunch we're going to hit. It's a, you know, we're, we're upside down $5,000 on our checking account. Well, that gives you eight weeks or seven weeks to, to make $5,000 different decisions and what you buy. Or maybe, you know, maybe you can hold off on paying something for a week or, or three or a month or whatever. Um, you don't have the ability to do that stuff if you're not looking. Uh, and then one of the key things is de develop a deliberate strategy for what to do with the cash when you have it. Again, you know, the three buckets that are often talked about, you may have a fourth one. Um, owner's compensation, growth, rainy day fund. For some folks, um, there's a debt. You know, you you borrowed money from a family member or a friend, or or you borrow you're buying the company from somebody, and a, a debt is a, a fourth one. Oftentimes, for people to to calculate here, but we have to have a deliberate, uh, specific plan for what are we going to do with the cash when it comes in the door. Uh, otherwise, we're prone to making uh, bad emotional decisions. If you're not sure how to develop a plan like that. The book Profit First does a great job of walking you through the mathematical formulas in a super simple way uh, and opening up different accounts, things like that. It, it, their methodology is fantastic. I strongly recommend if you haven't read that book, read it, and that will help with a lot of this stuff. So, um, again, this is part five of our seven-part series. That's Seven Deadly Defects. This week we're talking about insufficient cash flow. Um, this one's probably the most uh, obvious uh, if you don't have cash, you can't pay your bills. If you can't pay your bills, you're not going to be in business very long. Um, that part is obvious. What's not obvious is the things that we have to do to prevent that and how to specifically go about forecasting your cash flow. Um, again, um, if you're an Excel junkie like me, that's one way to do it. If you're not and you just want to do it, you buy a, a, something online, it's not expensive, 150 bucks a month or less. You can have a cash flow forecasting tool where you just plug in the numbers and it spits out the data for you and you can make really good decisions based upon that. So uh, this does not have to be something that is prohibitive. Um, the, the solutions for this are relatively painless. Um, if you like Excel, it's a little time consuming. It might take you two or three hours to build the spreadsheet. Um, and if when you first do the online tool, it might take you two or three hours to first enter all the data that they're gonna ask for. 
but that's a two or three hour investment that's really, really good. So um, that's it for this week. Um, again, if you have a friend who's a business owner in the service industry, who's ever said something like, I feel like my business owns me or I got so much stuff to do, I don't even know where to start. Um, please share this podcast with them. We certainly, certainly appreciate that. If you haven't had time to give us a rating and review, please do that. Thank you for all of you who have. Uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, that's it for this week. So this is Brian Harding with Service Industry Success saying thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you all next week.